We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Monday, November 27th. I am joined by my good buddy Ryan Boyer. Uh, we're going to go over pitcher uh, who broke out in 2024. Last time, uh, pitcher, pitchers that broke out in 2024. Believe it or not, there was more than one. Uh, we will be talking about those guys. But I think we have to start with some headlines. And speaking of pitchers, Ryan, and speaking of your St. Louis Cardinals, Sonny Gray, which it's not surprising to me whatsoever, but Sonny Gray is headed to St. Louis on a three-year deal. Uh, I'll just ask you for your thoughts on this. I think it's a pretty interesting one. Yeah, I, I saw I saw someone tweeting that the Cardinals have, have signed one guy who was a former Cardinal and two other guys who feel like they should be <laughs> former Cardinals. Yeah. But yeah, they Sonny Gray has seemed like kind of a, a perfect fit for them since the beginning of the offseason. I mean, they are averse to spending the big dollars in free agency, unfortunately. So, you know, you get a guy who's from the Midwest, who's coming off a great season, who's going to sign for a relatively short-term deal. And that's just kind of right up, right up their alley. I mean, I, I was texting with fellow Cardinals friends of mine, it's a deal that I would have been very happy with if it would have happened a week ago. Sure. I'm a little less so now just because they already plugged tools in the rotation with pretty, let's say, mediocre options. Fair. Um, but, you know, in a vacuum, I'm, I'm happy with the, with the gray signing, I think. I was I was kind of surprised, honestly, that they didn't cave and give them give him a fourth year or maybe even a fifth year. Mm-hmm. That's that's generally how Mozeliak works. He likes to get things done quickly, and if he has to give the extra year to a, sure. to a player, he'll he'll do that. But three years, you know, twenty twenty five million AAV, actually a little more than Aaron Nola got, uh, as far as an AAV goes, but. Three years, perfectly fine with that. Landing in St. Louis is a good good spot. I mean, Sonny Gray is – I think he had the uh, lowest or best, whatever you want to say, rate in baseball as far as home run rate goes. Yes. Um, he's good at controlling that part, um, and he's going to a place that that's generally suppresses home runs, so that should be – be good for him. It's going to be big for the Cardinals to kind of right the ship defensively. They had, were really good defensively for many years and then took a step back this past year. Um, Greg gets the ball on the ground quite a bit. Yep. Um, so I think their infield defense is going to be good. Yes. Um, kind of TBD on who they're going to start at second base. Um Difference between Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman is pretty big. Sure. So that that might you know matter a little bit, but I think that infield defense is going to be pretty good. Probably going to be a a, a good thing for him overall. Um, he's been fairly durable recent years. His long term track record, I would say, is of durability is not great, but he hasn't really had arm issues that I recall. 
Um, it's more like a back thing, I, I think, that's kind of nagged at him on occasion. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good fit. Um, you always hate paying for, like, a career year. You could say this is a career year this past year for Sonny Gray, but I, I think he's set up pretty well for success again fantasy-wise in, in 2014. Yeah, I I think I like this move, and I think it's a solid move. I sure would like this more as – the second pitcher just from a real life standpoint for the Cardinals more so than the guy who's probably pitching at the very top of your rotation. Um, My biggest concern with gray would be that he is 34 and he is not exactly um, the picturesque picture in terms of size. And he has lost Mm -hmm. extension every single year. Now he's still been able to generate a lot of ground balls and avoid barrels at a very good rate. Uh, 77th percentile, according to baseball savant. 68th percentile in avoiding barrels has always thrown a lot of strikes. Uh, it's interesting. Like you look at his pitching run value. Uh, he was in the 99th percentile uh, fastball run value, 96th breaking run value, 99th percentile, which tells you like he initiates a bunch of weak contact. Even the though sweeper, the, he was part of the sweeper revolution, the sweeper revolution. I'm yeah. sure there'll be a podcast called that at some point. Um, I, I, I do like this. I do think that you, I kind of maybe would have liked to have seen the land in Atlanta a little more from a fantasy perspective, just because I do think that they are a little more equipped to if Sonny Gray, you know, reverts more back to the 2020, 2021 version, that's still a solid pitcher, but it's more one that you're going to maybe need some offensive help to get a bunch of wins with Cardinals offense. Isn't bad. I, I think that they're still a talented team, obviously underperformed like heck last year, but I don't know. There, there are there are things I really like about Sonny Gray. He's going to be somebody I probably will avoid in drafts just because I think he's going to go really high. Um, looking at the ERA, looking at the fact he's going to be the top of the rotation type of guy. But I think you can justify it, certainly, using that fifth to sixth round pick on him somewhere in that range. Certainly a top 100 guy at this point. But I do think that there is a chance... A blow up may be too strong of a term, but I do think that there's a little more risk that comes with the reward as well for Sonny Gray. Be interesting to see. And hopefully this is a signing that leads to a bunch more stuff. We had one other move that happened on Sunday with the pitchers. Uh, Kenta Maeda, a two-year deal for $24 million. Ryan, I think this is a perfect fit. Like I think that this was exactly what Kenta Maeda should have gotten on the market. I think Detroit should have absolutely been targeting pitchers like Kenta Maeda. You know, obviously at his age and with his injury history, there's a lot of risk that comes with here. But I think he has a chance to be a little bit of a fantasy sleeper in 2024. How about you? Yeah, I like the fit as well. I think the Tigers rotation just generally could be kind of sneaky good next season. We're going to talk about one other guy, one other reason that's – I I think that's the case a little later in the podcast. But, yeah, Kenta Maeda – He's he's always good as long as he can stay in the mound. Um, I mean, it's some years are obviously better than others. We he had that shortened twenty twenty season where he was just crazy good, mm-hmm. um, and he's had you know going dating back to his his days with the Dodgers. They always kind of had the plan because they basically qualified for a playoff spot in May. Um, they knew they could pitch Kenta Maeda in the rotation for four months or four and a half, five months, and then move him to the bullpen, prepare him for his postseason role. So because of that and, and the durability issues, his fantasy value has been just kind of, I don't know, hit or miss inconsistent, I guess, but just in a general sense, like when he's able to take them out, he's, he's good. He can still miss some bats. Mm -hmm. Um, Going to Comerica is great landing spot. Um, you know, the they changed the dimensions a little bit last year, but it's still one of the best best yeah. places to pitch in, in baseball. And staying in that division, some bad offenses in that division. It's yeah. a good that's a good spot. Um yeah, I, th- I think it's his draft day cost. I, I don't know what the early NF ADP what is for Kinta Maeda, but 
I'm with you on the, he could be a sleeper, certainly at least where, or at least the value where he's going to be taken in drafts. Sure. Yeah. And I would imagine he's probably their number two starter next year at this point and uh, should make, if he's healthy, a good amount of efforts. I was just like, I was surprised looking at like, I knew he had a 2.70 ERA, which is really good in his 11 starts last year, but I didn't realize how good he was at missing bats and not walking guys like his chase rate in the 76th percentile with percentage 66 percentile that's really good especially when you consider like he's never been an extremely hard thrower 90.8 miles per hour on the average fastball but strikeout percentage in the 77th and walks in the 78th now he gives up some hard contact and if he is a guy who's pitching like he's kind of streamer still like to me like if you're facing him if he's pitching in course field and probably having him out of my lineup like there's yeah. there's a very good chance especially because he doesn't generate a lot of ground balls that I don't want Kenta Maeda to pitch, but I think that like the stuff is so underrated here. Like his off-speed stuff is so sick. Like there were a ton of highlights just looking after the signing of some absolute uh, what what do they call uh, um, the 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 swords uh, type of thing? Oh yeah, was absolutely from him for sure. I think he's got a chance to be a nice one. Um, maybe just doesn't quite get the uh, talk that he is deserving thus far. We'll see what happens. Jason Hayward, one-year, $9 million deal. Kind of a resurgent deal, and re I should say uh, re-signing with the Dodgers for one year's $9 million. Are you a little surprised he's back with the Dodgers, Ryan? No, I think it I think it wound up being a good fit. I mean, yeah. I know he's always been kind of lauded for his like clubhouse presence. Sure. Um, I know they spoke highly of – of that with the with the Dodgers, but you know, because they a big factor in this is Mookie Betts showed the ability to play not only a competent second base, but he was actually quite good there. Sure. Um certainly looks like he's gonna be playing plenty of second base now in 2024 again. Uh, Jason Hayward can start in, in right field against against right-handers. I, I, I assume Betts will be at second base most days against righties, move back out to the outfield against lefties. Hayward can play a little bit of center field as well. So you could put Betts at, in right field on those days potentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's – no one saw him being a productive player again. I don't think even, you know, the Dodgers can work their sprinkle their pixie dust on, on players and kind of get, get more out of them. That's generally, I feel like usually more a case with pitchers than, than position players, but I guess there's examples of hitters too. Mm -hmm. JD, yeah. JD Martinez kind of a resurgent year this year with, with the Dodgers, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense on a on a one year deal. He's still like what, just thirty four. It feels like Jason Hayward should be like thirty nine. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He, he uh, came up came up very young. Sure. Yeah, I mean, legitimately the best prospect in baseball. Like the best best prospect in baseball, and not even close. He was, and he has not lived up to that hype. To be fair, um, one of the things I think is really underrated about Hayward, he's still such a good defensive player. Like and having that ability to go get it in the outfield, I think really helps them play against right-handed pitching, like you said. And obviously, um, this deal takes them out of the Shohei Otani race for sure. Like they just can't afford more. Just kidding. That's uh, that's going to be an interesting one to see when the heck that one happens. But like, it's interesting to see Hayward getting like a one-year nine million dollar deal. I think. I think that if you would have told me nine million dollars for Jason Hayward at this point last year, I would be like, whoa. What the heck happened? Did uh did baseball uh win the Mega Millions or something like that? Because, well, the Cubs the Cubs were paying him a lot more than that. The yeah, Dodgers that's were great. paying that's him great. uh what veteran minimum. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So and good for Jason Hayward, one of the good guys in baseball, one of the um more underrated skill sets, I think, just because you know he doesn't hit for a great average, but he is the type of guy who can get on base. He showed some more power. I, I root for guys like Jason Hayward. Uh, speaking of guys I root for, and I am disappointed by this trade as a Seattle Mariner fan, Eugenio Suarez heads to the Arizona Diamondbacks in return for Carlos Vargas and Sebi Zavala. 
Uh, calling this a salary dump is an insult to salary dumps. Uh, clearly, the Seattle Mariners had no desire to pay a Eugenio Suarez after what can only be described as a mixed season. He was a very good defensive player, but he led the league in strikeouts again. Um, did not show the same power. And I know Ryan and I, you and I were both surprised by that. We both had him as a guy that we thought was going to break out in the second half of the season based on the metrics. And the metrics do suggest that he can hit for more power. I think this is a nice get for the Diamondbacks either way because they give up absolutely nothing. Carlos Vargas is a reliever who can't throw strikes, has really good stuff, uh, and is yeah. someone to kind of keep an eye on Like because the Mariners have done a good job with these fastball slider type of guys that have developed into quality relievers. And then Sebi Zavala, I mean, I think Sebi Zavala is actually Portuguese for backup catcher. Like, I haven't actually looked it up, but it'd be surprised if it isn't that type of thing. So they give up nothing, and they get a guy who has been one of the, outside of last year's, most consistent power hitters in baseball, and they get a massive upgrade at defense and third base with Eugenio Suarez. I thought this was a nifty piece of business for them. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, it was – equated to pretty much a salary dump. So if you're just taking on a, what was he owed? 11, 11 million, something like that for right around there. Yeah. I mean, it's still a pretty reasonable amount to pay. Absolutely. A guy. And just for one year or two, I mean, the, it's been a, it was kind of a revolving door at, at third base for the, for the diamondbacks. Uh, I'm interested to see, what this means for Jordan Lawler. Is he yeah. going to go back to the minors now? Um, Geraldo Perdomo had a pretty decent year. Um, is he going to block Jordan Lawler? Um, maybe initially he could also bounce around. That's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, Suarez, I mean, he's, he's the picture of inconsistency offensively just because yeah. he swings and misses so much. So much. Um, Going to Arizona should help a little bit. Arizona is not nearly the hitter's park it used to be, but it's still better than – what is it, T-Mobile now? T-Mobile Park, yes, sir. Okay. Um, so that's a little bit of an upgrade there. I'll tell you what else I'm interested in to see on the, as far as the fallout of this goes. I mean, are we really sure that the Mariners are going to play – Urias at third base, immediately plug him in there, or are they going to get another upgrade there? I, I'm really curious to see. I think that they clearly must like him because I'm 99% sure that the Red Sox were going to non-tender him at yeah. the deadline. So to pay him that, and that, look, the Mariners would have been fine if they with the $5 million or without the $5 million, but considering that's right around what he's projected to make, it sure seems like he's going to have a role. And look, Two years ago, this was a guy who looked like he was on the up and up. This was a guy who put up two straight three-win seasons. That's pretty solid as a 24 and 25-year-old. Obviously, last year, a completely lost cause because of the injury. And when he was on the field, he was just flat out not good for either team. Did have a 360 on base percentage for Boston, and I think that's kind of what Seattle is looking like. But look, the Mariners want to be the Rays. The Mariners want to be the Tampa Bay Rays and play a bunch of platoon guys because it's cost effective and it works really well, at least in the regular season. And so, so far, those moves haven't worked out. AJ Pollock, hello, how's it going? Um, but it is something that I think a lot of teams kind of aspire to be, to have these platoon squads because, you know, it's more effective. Right-handed against lefty, lefty against righty. And typically, if you're doing that, one guy who can hit left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching is a lot more expensive than the right-handed guy who can hit left-handed pitching and vice versa. So, yeah, I think that he is probably going to have at least some sort of role with the team. I've heard he second base also as well. He so. can, he shouldn't. He is not very good there. And he is a solid, there's certainly a defensive downgrade for the Mariners, no question about it at third base now, because again, Eugenio Suarez, I thought probably should have won the gold glove last year. He was really good, really consistent, also played every single day, which is something that I think gets underrated in these talks. But, um, you know, I think he's at very least going to be in the lineup against left-handers, and I think he's worth keeping an eye on for like AL only leagues and maybe dynasty leagues because there's talent there. There's no question that there's talent in that bat. It's a completely different profile than we thought. <laughs> he looked like an 80-grade hit guy that was going to have yeah like 30 or 40 power. Now he's a three true outcome guy 
baseball is a very weird sport, Ryan Boyer. Baseball is a very weird sport. But yeah, I like Suarez. I think his fantasy stock went up with this trade. I I, I wouldn't have hated him as a buy low candidate last year because I think more balls are going to go over the fence. But I definitely like him in Arizona, a chance to drive in some awfully fast and awfully talented young baseball players. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but then we're going to talk about some pitchers that broke out in 2023 and whether or not we kind of believe that this is for real or maybe we're buying a little, I don't know what the right term is. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But yeah, we're going to talk about it. All right, let's talk about those pitchers. And Ryan, I have to say, Drew and I did hitters last week. There were a ton. There was just so many guys that we could have added to this thing. I, I was like, when I was done, I was like, oh, we didn't talk about this guy. We didn't talk about this guy. This was not the case for the pitchers. I got to be honest with you, Ryan. Like, I put just an inside baseball thing here. I put together my list first, and I was like, I need to leave this guy for Ryan. I need to leave this guy for Ryan. Because I certainly ran out of people and uh, was hoping not to have to do any relievers. I have to do some relievers because – we just didn't have really the same type of breakout success for pitchers in 2023, did we? Yeah, certainly more on the on the hitting side. I, I followed your lead though, and I added a I added a reliever myself. Nice. But nice. we'll get we'll get started off with the, some uh, some rotation members. Thank you. Cole Reagans is tops on my list. Maybe yeah. not tops, but he's the first guy I'm going to talk about anyway. Sure. Um, he was a reliever at the beginning of the season with the Rangers through two mm-hmm. 5.92, excuse me, ERA, 24 to 14 strikeout to walk rate, and 24 and a third innings as a reliever with the Rangers. Of course, came over to the Royals in their Rollis Chapman trade. Down the stretch, 2.64 ERA, 89 to 27 strikeout to walk rate, and 71 and two-thirds innings with the Royals. Fastball velocity actually went up. After he moved into the rotation, kind of strange and kind of awesome. 
-hmm. He also started throwing a slider, which he did not throw with the Rangers. That generated whiffs at a 40.6% rate. Produced a a a 0.202 expected WOBA, which is a stellar number. I mean, all of a sudden, Cole Reagans was like throwing or at least hitting 100 as a starter for the Royals. And you think, I mean, did they really just give this guy up for a rental reliever um, and a, in, an inconsistent one at that? But I don't think anyone really batted much of an eye when that trade went down or all this Chapman was pitching really well. And Reagans kind of, he's a former first round pick. Um, solid prospect, not a great prospect. He just really took a really big step forward with the Royals, um, showed more velocity. As I mentioned, started throwing that slider. I mean, he's he looks like a potential frontline guy now. Um, you know, the, the 2024 workload outlook, he threw about the same-ish number of innings in 2023 as he did 2022. I mean, he's not going to be ready for a to handle a huge workload for Kansas City, but I think it's going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be a huge concern. NF, NFBC ADP early on is at 114. I think that's pretty fair. Um, mm-hmm. I think any if you can get him outside the top 100 picks, I think that's pretty solid. Team context – not good. The Royals look like, like they're going to be bad again, but not a bad ballpark to pitch in. And I think the strikeout upside is is huge with Cole Reagans. I think the upside with Reagans is massive. And I, I wish he was playing for, I can only think of like two or three teams that I uh, would say that the Royals are an upgrade on, to be honest with you. But I do give them credit for like unleashing the stuff that you saw. Like there was a reason why this guy was a first round pick. There's a reason why, you know, he wasn't considered an elite prospect, but a potential top 100 guy because that stuff is filthy. My only question is, can he throw enough strikes? Because that was a big issue for Reagans at times with Texas. And you saw some flashes of it, too, even with Kansas City, where there would be issues where he would fall behind in counts or he would just flat out cause, cause self-inflicted damage. I, but I think his upside competes with like any young left-hander in baseball. Like th- that stuff, it, and that might seem hyperbolic, but like you watch him pitch and like he fools hitters with deception and that stuff is really, really good. It's going to be intriguing to see. He's got to be the number one starter on Kansas City to open the year, right? Like if he's not, yeah, then sure. that if not, it means that they signed one of the remaining free agents out there, which I don't think anybody is really projecting. Um but yeah, I think Cole Reagan's like, I know people can be hesitant about believing in guys who have spotty track records, you know, uh, going into that second season. I'd much rather, I would have huge FOMO with Cole Reagan's if I did not have him on my roster and had that chance to draft him, you know, the first 125 picks, something along those lines, you know, that's about uh, where I think things are right. But he has a chance to be a top 50 player. I absolutely believe Cole Reagans has that chance. I'm not drafting him like that, but I absolutely believe that he has that kind of upside. Uh, I'm going to go with another left-hander. And look, Justin Steele was really good in 2022 as well. It just didn't get as much talk. He had a 3.18 ERA. Mainly part of it, I think, was he just didn't get deep into games. 24 games, 119 innings. But he was a legitimate Cy Young candidate for a lot of the year. 3.06 ERA. And of course, I'm talking about 2023. Uh, 3.06 ERA, 176 strikeouts to 36 walks in 173 and one-third innings. Ended up finishing fifth in Cy Young voting. I think if you know that would have happened in August, he probably finishes in the top three. There were some kind of clunky starts at the end of the year. Yeah. But Justin Steele was really good. And it's worth pointing out that this is still a pitcher that he doesn't turn 29 until the middle of July. I think there's still some more good stuff to come from him. Uh Throws a ton of strikes. A 5% walk rate is outstanding. Uh, He avoids barrels with the best of them. Like, you look at, like, uh, his home run rates, and it led baseball 0.9 in his nine innings. That's the very best in baseball. You might be tempted to think, eh, maybe that's a little bit unlucky. But this is what he's been for his whole entire career. He has allowed all of 34 home runs in 349 and one-third innings. I'm pretty sure there's some pitchers that allowed more than 34 home runs uh, in far fewer innings just last year. 
So Justin Steele, you know, I don't think he's a fantasy ace, but because of the fact that he avoids contact, uh, hard contact so much and throws so many strikes and gets just enough strikeouts, says strikeout percentage of 24.6 is far from elite, but it's far from like, what the heck is going on? Like, there's just so much good luck happening here. He misses just enough bats that I think if you're one of those fantasy managers who's thinking Justin Steele is going to regress hard in 2024, I, I would respectfully disagree. Yeah, my only my only concern is, yes, he throws he threw a ton of strikes in 2023, but he had never really done that before. Um, the walk rate at the major league level and the minor league level, not sure. great. Yeah, it's fair. Um, can he repeat that? Uh, certainly to that level, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But as you mentioned, he's always been really good at inducing weak contact. And yep. also probably an underrated part of the breakout is that Cubs infield defense is really, really good. Yes. Um, so even even though he's not a an elite bat mister by any stretch, when – you can strike out a batter per inning and induce a bunch of weak contact with a elite defense behind you. That's a pretty good recipe for, for success. So I do think there's a little bit of regression coming there, but uh, what, where is the draft day cost? Fair. Kind of depends on whether I will roster him or not, but I think he's has a chance to repeat it. If he can just show he can throw strikes again. Real quick, um, uh, uh, something I just find interesting. Uh, the 2014 fifth round produced Reese Hoskins, Justin Steele, Lane Thomas, and TJ Antone, and Julian Merriweather. That's a pretty good little wow. fifth round of a uh, of a draft. That's uh, be very curious to see where Reese Hoskins signs. By the way, uh, I'm kind of hoping Seattle, but I don't think that's uh, realistic. Um, talk about uh, another left hander. We're we're going lefty heavy today. We are going lefty heavy today. Uh, Tarek Skubal, um, can we call this a breakout? I mean, he's... I think so. Yeah, it was only 15 starts coming back from flexor tendon surgery, but it was just outstanding. 2.8 yeah. ERA, 102 to 14 strikeout to walk rate and 80 in a third innings. That'll play. Yes, indeed it will. In September... 0.90 ERA, 0.60 whip, 43 to 4 strikeout to walk rate in 30 innings. Hi, Cliff Lee. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. He went seven innings in three of his last five starts. So that's it's good that he started to build those innings up. Nearly doubled the changeup usage in 2023, and it got a 50.6% whiff rate. Expected Wobo was below 200. The ground, he used to be a, if I'm remembering correctly, kind of an extreme fly ball pitcher, or at least a leans fly ball heavy. Right. But this year, 51.6% ground ball rate. Um, that's a pretty big number. He's ticking up in a good way in that regard. My only concern here, two concerns, one being what is the injury risk? When... A pitcher comes back from flexor tendon surgery. We often eventually down the line that can wind up being Tommy John surgery later on. Um, he showed no signs of that. There's no like guarantee that that's going to happen, certainly, but we've seen it happen many times in the past. And, you know, the workload was fairly low. Um, 15 starts coming back. So what is that going to look like as, as he builds up and puts a little more pressure on that, on that elbow. My other thing is the NFC, NFBC ADP is all the, all the way up to 53. Oh, um, that seems a little high to me. Yeah. Um, he's in a great park. He's obviously shown signs of Tarek Skubal has always had good swing in this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, can he throw strikes at the same rate again? I mean, he's been a pretty decent strike thrower, but he's really, really good this year. Mm -hmm. um, still not great team context. I, I, I think he's 
if healthy, he's going to be really, really good. But I, I do think that that's a little, I mean, look, any ADP right now is kind of take it with a grain of salt. We don't know what it's going to look like sure. in the spring, but 53 right now just seems a tad high to me. So in a 12 team league, that's like the middle of the fifth round, right? That's ex- almost exactly the middle of the fifth round. That does seem high to me. I was thinking yeah. more seventh, eighth round type of thing, but look, I kind of get it. Like, he had he had a 2.80 ERA. His FIP and yes, FIP has some flaws to it. Was two. That is a stupid good number. He would have been among the league leaders and qualifiers in just about everything. And you know, Detroit for all their offensive problems, they've done a pretty good job developing pitching. I think. Like, yes, there's been some failures here. Then there's no question about that. But like. Scubal has the chance to be like a top of the rotation starter for a very long time. And it wouldn't shock me if last year was the breakout year, not even a little bit, but because of the fact that he's playing for Detroit, like you're talking about 12 to 14 wins, probably being your ceiling. Are you really taking that ceiling in the middle of the fifth round? That's kind of tough for me, even knowing that you're going to get probably a solid rate. And also you got to factor in the injury history too. There's no denying that you have to factor that in as well. But I do think Therese Scooball, I'm glad you brought him up because he was absolutely fantastic last year and didn't get nearly enough talk. Um, A guy I thought didn't get nearly enough talk. And then he finished fourth in Cy Young award uh, voting in the American league. So maybe he did Kyle Bradish. Now Bradish was okay in 2022. Like he showed some flashes of brilliance. Um, 4.90 4.90 ERA, though, tells you how inconsistent he was. 2.83 ERA, Ryan, in his 30 starts last year, 168 and two-thirds innings, 168 strikeouts against 44 walks. Like I said, ends up finishing fourth in the Cy Young Award voting. I can't even, not even imagine me telling you that last year. Like, like, I'm talking about breakouts. Some of these guys had some success at previous points. Kyle Bradish didn't show anything that suggested he was going to be that good. And if you take a look at the Savant page, his breaking run value was the best in baseball. Like his off speed, like the actual, like uh, taking away his changeup was as good as anybody in baseball was well above average in walks was well above average in avoiding barrels gets a lot of ground balls. He does not have a ton of deception to him. I just think he's really hard to square up, but you know, that's a solid strikeout percentage of 61, exactly 25% um, generating a ton of ground balls. I also love the fact that look, I wish the Orioles would have done a little more at the deadline last year, but they're clearly building like something special there. There's no denying that they have one of the most talented, just young rosters in all of baseball. And that's really an understatement. I love the lineup that's going to be behind them every single day, because I expect every, almost every single one of those players to take a step forward again in 2024. I don't know if we can expect quite the same results from Kyle Bradish next year, but I think he's probably, you're going to look at him and say, ah, doesn't miss enough bats. I'm I'm probably going to move on from this guy. I think that might be a mistake because it would not shock me one bit if Kyle Bradish won. And again, pitcher wins. We have to talk about him in fantasy. 17 games with a solid ERA, and that's going to help you an awful lot. Yeah, and as he was, you know, building up that workload in the second half, I, I didn't double check this, but I think he led the American League in ERA in the second half. So impressive. Did not tired on the stretch, but in fact got better and better. Right. Um, that's encouraging. And if you still have in the back of your head that Camden Yards is bad for pitchers, just <laughs> get rid of that notion right now. Um, so hard, but yeah. It's literally polo grounds and left field now. So, you know, that's not a worry for him. Yes, you'd, it'd be okay if he missed a, a little more bats, but, you know, as you mentioned, he's going to have a great offense backing him, plays in a, frankly, a pitcher's park now. I think he's definitely got some staying power. Um, this guy is a little older than the other guys we've been talking about so far, but I guess the Rays knew what they were doing. Zach Eflin. Everybody was surprised when he signed a $40 million contract, but oh, yeah. sure enough, 3.50 ERA, 1.02 whip, 186 to 24 strikeout to walk rate in 177 two-thirds innings. 
More curveballs with the Rays. They had him lean into that, his best pitch. Not surprisingly, that's what they generally do. He was one of seven pitchers to have two pitches with a 10-plus run value for StatCast. Interesting. Up to ground ball rate from 43%, which is you know above average to borderline elite at 49.8%. Also helps when you have that raised defense behind you. Spin rates were up across the board. I'll let you um, decide how that happened. Yeah. But <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be manipulating the, the grip or the mechanics, whatever. But there's also other ways to do it as well. But oh, yeah. regardless, it happened and that helped. What is the durability with Zach Eflin? Um, He had made like, I think he made more starts last season than he did in the last like three seasons combined. Um, He's the one time he approached this high of a workload as he did. And I think he just with the playoff start, he he barely crossed the 180 inning threshold. I, I think he only did that. One time with the Phillies, he's had constant knee issues. He even had, I think, a minimum IL stint with the Rays this past year with a knee issue, but somehow got over that quickly. You know, I don't think we can count on him making 30 starts again. Um, I don't see anything in the profile to doubt what he did, though. Right. The, the XERA, the FIP, all actually say that his number, his ERA actually should have been quite a bit better. He's always had great control, um, should have a pretty decent offense backing him. He's going to have a good defense behind him. NFBC early ADP is at 91 right now. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I did an article about him. It's on the Rotowire site. Um, and I determined that the other pitchers being drafted around him, I, I kind of prefer more. Um, but I think that's a, you know, around 100 is about right for him. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And really, it's just a case of like 177 and two thirds innings last year. Like, obviously, I just don't know if you can count on that. Like, I think the rates will be fine. The rates have been really fine over those last two years. Um it's just that if if I'm adding Eflin to my roster, I want some durability behind it. I want some guys that I know are going to make 25 to 30 starts, 150 plus innings, because I just can't guarantee that. Just There's just too much history there. And we're not talking about a 24 or 25-year-old either. We're talking about somebody who's been around for a little bit. There is some track record there. Um, Jesus Lazardo has been a guy that I have loved for a very long time. We don't actually know each other, but I have absolutely had a lot of admiration for this guy. And he was pretty darn good in 2022. But again, it's similar to Justin Steele. It was just 18 starts, 100 innings. You can't really call that a breakout season. But he got his chance to make 32 starts finally. It's easily the most starts that he's made in a season. It's more than he had made in the previous two seasons combined. 178 and two-thirds innings, a very solid 3.58 ERA, 208 strikeouts against 55 walks. Jesus Lazardo's stuff has never really been in question. And of course, in 2021, which was just such a disaster, I think people just kind of gave up on, but were <laughs> maybe not the right word, but are extremely apprehensive. But to say he's made a change and shown the ability that he showed early on with the A's, uh, worth pointing out that uh, Hazel Cesardo was also a Washington national. That trade still boggles my mind. It's one of the more bizarre deals that I think we've seen. And it actually looked like Oakland won it for a little bit. Uh, Excuse me, Washington won it for a little bit. But no, they certainly did not. Hazel Lazardo's swing and miss stuff, I think, competes with any left-hander in baseball. And I would not be surprised if we saw him as a 240, 250 strikeout guy someday, if he can get enough innings to do so. I guess my one concern would be that he's a little bit different pitcher than we saw before. I Again, always had swing and miss stuff. But command has actually gotten a little bit worse. Like 55 walks isn't abhorrent, but it's not exactly 
ideal. I do think that there is some self-inflicted damage. I know that he's definitely going to give up some home runs because he challenges hitters as well. But I don't think he gets enough talk about being a pitcher. How old is Jesus Lizardo now? You'd think I would know that just based on he's only 26 years old. It seems like he's been around forever, but still only 26 years old. Would not shock me at all if this was a top 20 starter in 2023, 2024, I should say, I guess. Yeah, you you mentioned some people giving up on him after the what was it 2021 season. The yeah. That A's, A's trade, um, them giving up on him, not looking great. I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to fault a team that thinks they have a chance to uh, do something in the playoffs. It's crazy to think that the A's actually had a decent team not that long ago mm-hmm. in 2021 to, to the point where they made a win-now trade and trading for Starling Marte. But, yeah. The, it's it's going to bite for a while with the giving up Luzardo for a for a two month rental. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the most encouraging thing was the workload with him. Like, I you, you didn't know for sure how he's going to hold up with that kind of workload, but he pitched all season without getting getting hurt. Pitched in the in the playoffs. Um, super encouraging stuff. Always going to be a bat mister. He, he can have a, the occasional blow up starts every now and then because, as you mentioned, the the command can waver a little bit. But I'm with you; like he's 26 years old. He can, he's the possibility is that he could take another step forward in 2024. This guy, I'm super intrigued by what's going to happen with him. Michael yeah. King has been a reliever with the Yankees for a while. The Yankees put him in the rotation down the stretch. Eight starts after moving into the rotation, he posted a 1.88 ERA, 1.10 whip, 48 to nine strikeout to walk rate, and 30 and one thirds innings. He had a 13 strikeout game, I believe, mixed in there. Really impressive. 94.5 miles per hour with his fastball as a starter actually a little better than it was as a reliever. So not only did he maintain that velocity and movement rotation was actually up a little bit, massive whiff rates with the sweeper and the change up. What is the workload going to look like? I mean, as I mentioned, he's been pitching for a relief as a reliever for a while. Mm-hmm. He was a starter coming up in the minors. He threw 104 and two thirds innings in 2023, but that was by far his highest since, he threw 161 and a third all the way back in 2018. ADP is look is at 154 right now in NFBC. I'd be willing to take a shot on him there. Oh, yeah. um, it all indications are that the Yankees are counting on him as a member of the rotation moving forward. I mean, it was kind of an experiment when they kind of just threw him in, into the rotation late in the year, but right. it worked out better than anybody was expecting. Um, as I mentioned, not only did he maintain that velocity, he actually went up a bit, the stuff held, you know, what is the workload going to look like? That's definitely a question, but I think when you you're crossing that 150 range with your draft pick, I think that's a good spot to take a chance on a guy like, like Michael King. Yeah. I just can't imagine that you're getting guys with more upside than that in that range. I think that's perfectly fine. I'd be willing to take him probably a couple rounds earlier because I think he's pretty much locked in, barring a ton of moves by the Yankees into that rotation spot, and he was really effective. And the fact that he's had some success as a starter, like certainly in the minors, a lot of success in the minors as a starter, but even as a major leaguer, he's had enough moments for me before 2023 to say, okay, this guy definitely has the stuff to be a starter. It plays better in relief. I don't think there's uh, really any doubt about that. Like, I think if he was the Yankees closer, I would be really excited about drafting that guy. I'm not excited about drafting any closers. Uh, We are not going to talk about relievers ever again on this show. I've made that rule, Um, but it is uh, no doubt. I think there is a profile here that suggests he can absolutely be a steal in that 130 to 150 range. Uh, Andrew Abbott, actually a former guy who was drafted by the Yankees, didn't sign because Nobody signs with the Yankees when you're drafted in the 36th round. Uh, Andrew Abbott, I think, put together a kind of underrated solid rookie season. Uh, 3.87 ERA through 109 innings over his 21 starts. 120 strikeouts against 44 walks. 
there were definitely some bad moments from Andrew Rabbit, especially towards the end of the season. And if you take a look at the Savant page, this is not a guy who is necessarily built for his home ballpark. His average exit velocity of 91.2, bad. Uh, ground ball percentage of 29.9, really bad, especially for great American ballpark. But this guy fools hitters a ton. An expected batting average of 226, a K percentage of 26.1. That's in the 72nd percentile. Gets a ton of extension, which is really, I think, important in great American ballpark. Yes, you might barrel the baseball. But if you fool a hitter just enough, maybe you're avoiding that home run. And maybe the home run turns into a double. That's obviously a lot better than uh, the alternative. I think Andrew Abbott is a guy that I wish pitched for a lot of different teams, to be honest with you, just because of his profile being so fly ball heavy. But because he misses bats, because he does a pretty good job avoiding self-inflicted damage, I think that there's a chance that he's a breakout pitcher. Like, he was pretty darn good this year. I think that the next step is made in 2024. I don't have any doubt about the strikeouts being there. Um, I just... That ballpark is just really scary. He gives up a ton of fly balls. Yeah. Um, and, like, we kept waiting for uh, – it was weird. Like, he put up just absolutely crazy numbers in the minors before getting getting called up. Sure did. Um, and, like, his first few starts, like, he didn't give up runs, but he wasn't missing bats. And it's like, okay, right. that's going to – that's eventually not gonna not gonna work anymore. And then all of a sudden he started missing a ton of bats. Great point. And was still giving not giving up very many runs. And then towards the end of the year, that kind of started catching up with him. Sure. Um, I think there are gonna be some rough, really rough stretches with Andrew Rabbit. Um, he's the stuff like doesn't like pop. Um, he he it, he gets the swings and misses in part because I think he's hitters just don't pick up the ball all that great against him, right? But you know I I think that can play in some stretches, but he's also going to have some rough stretches. The control wasn't great during his time with the Reds. It was okay in the minors, not not bad, sure, but. Average-ish walk rate and extreme fly ball tendencies. I'm a little nervous that he might get overdrafted a tad. Let, let, me, but, let me ask you this real quick. Okay. So there's been a lot of talk about the Reds being very interested in Tyler Glass now. And mm -hmm. there has been a lot of talk about what the Rays want back is young starting pitching. If you are the general manager of the Cincinnati Reds, would you be willing to include Andrew Abbott in a Tyler Glass now trade? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, you know how much I love Tyler Glass now. I want the Cardinals to trade for him, even still after them signing three pitchers. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, like, Andrew Abbott, while I would bet heavily Tyler Glass now on having a better 2024 season, Andrew Abbott could still, even though he's a young guy, he could easily throw 50 more innings. And he's under team control for so many more years. I would, it would hurt me to have to say no to that, but I, I think I would ultimately probably say no. That's fair. Yeah. It's just something that kind of popped in my head while I was thinking about it, just because I do think that Tyler Glass now would be in such a great coop for uh, Cincinnati and to have him and Hunter Green, um, pitching in that rotation would be something I would very much enjoy watching because those are two of my favorite, even though Hunter Green certainly has his flaws. Uh, there's no denying his talent. Those are two of my favorite guys to watch, but uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting one. Uh, I'll just close with uh, Brian Abreu is my other breakout guy. And I don't think we talked nearly enough about how good this guy was. And in, for a large reason, it has to do with the fact that he didn't get saves. But this guy was among the very best, not just relievers in baseball, best pitchers in baseball. And I'm going to be curious to see what kind of role he has next year. And it's one of the reasons why I would be willing to invest. Yeah, Ryan Presley probably going to be closing for Houston, the Houston Astros. But I think we saw some cracks with Presley. I think we saw some cracks from him and we saw how good Brian Abreu can be. I will say this, if I'm drafting Ryan Presley on my uh, roster to begin the year, Brian Abreu is on my bench because I want to be ready to have that guy ready to roll. 
because his swing and miss stuff and the fact that he does not give up hard contact and he does just a good enough job of throwing strikes. It's an elite relief profile. And I, I think it's interesting to see what he's going to do going forward. He's one of the few guys who doesn't have a closer's role that I'm going to be considering using a draft pick late next year. I just want the, to let the record state that Chris's supposed uh, reliever embargo in this show lasted uh, about uh, <laughs> two minutes and we are discussing relievers. Well, I don't, Rotowire just sent me a payment and uh, it, it made things a lot easier to talk about. Relievers. Uh, Abreu is just as nasty as can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I always wanted to see what he could do as a as a starter, but I think he's probably in in the correct role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Presley had a really good year, but you know his injuries pop up from him with him from time to time. Yep. He's getting up there in age. I would be fine drafting Ryan Presley, and as you mentioned, I th- I think it's a good idea to to keep Brandon Abreu stashed on the bench, even if you don't have Presley and Abreu doesn't wind up more than with more than three or four saves or whatever he, he runs into on with on days that Presley isn't available. I think because of those ratios, because of all those strikeouts, he's worth rostering in, in mixed formats either way. Yeah. One guy that should have a closer job going into the season I did not think I would be talking about Tanner Scott on a pitcher breakout <laughs> podcast, but sure. my gosh, he was really, really good. He was. 2.31 ERA, 0.99 whip, 104 to 24 strikeout to walk rate and 78 innings. Only Felix Batista, and can you guess the other guy who also had – more strikeouts than uh, Tanner Scott among full-time relievers. I'll give you a hint. He's plays for the team that you root for. Uh, would it be Matthew Brash? It would. You are correct, sir. He's pretty good. Yes. So 100, 100 strikeouts is a pure reliever. Obviously, it takes a special arm to do something like that. Yeah. The thing with Scott is, I mean, the stuff has always been terrific. He's yes. just – never been able to throw strikes. And then all of a sudden he threw strikes this year. Career 14.2% walk rate (laughs) prior to 2023. Absolutely horrendous. 2023, it was down to 7.8%. I don't know what he did. I have not seen anything on regarding like mechanics or what. He just figured something out, changing his placement on the rubber, whatever, whatever you did, Tanner Scott, keep doing it. Yeah. I don't know that it can continue at that rate, though. I mean, yeah. he just has never thrown strikes anywhere he's been. No. And last year he threw strikes at a above-average level. But, I mean, the stuff is just fantastic. 40.3% whiff rate, 215 expected bulb on his slider, 31.1% whiff rate on his fastball, which for a, a fastball, that's – like 31.1% is great for a slider for a fastball. It's just stupid. Good mm-hmm. 290 expected woba on that fastball. NFBC ADP right now is sitting at 120. I, I mean, I think that's fair. He's, he's surely going to go into the season with that closer gig. I would worry about, I mean, is no closer is safe. We all know that. Right. Um, but it's just such a long track record of not being able to throw strikes um, that I would be pretty nervous about investing in Tanner Scott next season. Yeah. Tanner Scott's definitely not my closer one to open the roster. Like he is my second or it'd be great if he was my third closer. Although again, I can't believe we're talking about relievers after all those things I just said, but I also, the only thing I worry about here is will skip Schumacher be a, the type of guy who says, this guy is so valuable in other high leverage situations that maybe he's yeah. used at times, not in that, especially knowing that like you have some other arms with some closer experience here too. So I do wonder if he could be a guy who puts up great rates, but ends up being hurt in the fantasy value because of the fact that he's just not getting those saves and helping you in 20% of the category. I mean, they traded, they traded for David Robertson and gave him the closer job. I mean, they, they, they 
took it away from him very shortly after that. Yeah, he was bad yeah. and Tanner Scott was awesome, but yeah, that is still yeah. something to keep in mind for sure. Absolutely. But that being said, I think that's probably a fair draft value for him just because of the fact that he's one of those guys kind of like Abreu that as long as he can keep the walks to a low roar, as long as he can keep that volume below 11 to make a reference to a movie that is older than a lot of people now, as long as he can do that, he's going to have fantasy relevance because his strikeouts are, his stuff is sick. Like you said, I was also surprised that Tanner Scott is only 29 years old. Cause I can remember yeah. writing about this guy as being like, this is an intriguing relief prospect, but can he throw strikes? Well, last year he did. And last year he was awfully, awfully good. Uh, that's going to do it for the Rotowire fantasy baseball podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow me on the website at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. Please make sure you hit like, subscribe, all that great stuff. Really helps the show. Rate it five stars. You know this is a five-star show. Don't lie to yourself. Uh, have a great one. Drew and I will be back on Monday to talk about, hopefully, Shohei Otani signing with the Seattle Mariners, but probably not. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.